Morning, Door Creek. Morning. Uh, my name is David, one of the pastors on the teaching team here, also the campus pastor of Northside Madison. Uh, let's give it up for the worship team again. Excellent job. Thank you. Thank you, worship team. Amen. Amen. So as um, Adam has stated, we're going to, um, we're going to continue diving into Romans. Uh, we're going to be um, finishing up chapter 8, so we'll be going through 31 through 39. We'll be finishing that up. But before we get into it, I want to encourage you uh, to check out our boomerangs table, which is right there at the entrance door. Boomerangs, which is on the north side of Madison, has been around for 10 years, an outreach ministry of Door Creek Church. So the generosity that you all show in your giving is demonstrated through what we do there at Boomerangs. And Boomerangs serves families, individuals, all throughout the city of Madison. Because we're located on North Madison, we, we serve people throughout Dane County. It's a resale store, it's a ministry, so we believe in serving, we believe in helping, we believe in letting our light shine, we believe in being God's hands and God's feet and God's ears and God's shoulders so that those who are going through hard times can come in, they can talk to someone, they can pray, so we're not always selling something, sometimes we're just giving prayer, counsel. So please check out Boomerangs to see how you can get involved to use your gifts that God has given you. Because remember, giving is not just monetary, it's also your time, your energy, your efforts, your prayer. So we thank you. We thank you already for what you have done to support Boomerang for 10 years. Yes, I think that deserves a hand. 10 years you have demonstrated um, by showing your generosity and letting the light of Jesus shine on the north side of Madison. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts. So please stop by at the table. Sign up to volunteer. If you got some items to donate, clean out that closet. You know, get those pants that don't fit anymore and those jackets that are kind of tight. You know, I know you like to show your muscles, men, but, you know, you know if you can't breathe, it doesn't do any good, right? <clears throat> so please check it out and, um, and fill out. There's a, there's a tear-off in the um, bulletin that you can fill out on there if you're interested in volunteering. And I hope you are, all right? So let's, let's look at uh, Romans chapter 8. <clears throat> you know, please grab your Bibles, your iPhone, your iPad, your iPod, or your eyeglasses. All right. <laughs> so we're going to look into this and um, getting back into Romans after we've done roadblocks. You know, we've been back in Romans for a couple weeks now. And it's just awesome to see God's work and see how all the messages just tie in, even with roadblocks. We see how all the messages tie in together. So it's, it's a great demonstration of God's power through God's word that we, um, we are able to um, experience this. So we're going to be looking at the end of um, Romans chapter 8, and we titled, I titled this message, More Than Conquerors. This is a very popular uh, portion of the scripture here, verses 31 through 39. So we're going to, we're going to cover that, um, but let's pray before we enter into the scripture. Gracious God, thank you today for your wonderful blessings. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your word that flows through us, with us, and in us. And so, Lord, we just ask that we will have our ears open today and our hearts open to hear from you. Holy Spirit, we humble ourselves and we empty ourselves out so that you might fill us this morning. We thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. All right, let's begin reading from 
Verse 31 in chapter 8 of Romans. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. That is God's word. So we, we look at this uh, portion of scripture and it, 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 I, I want to pose four questions that this scripture covers. The first question is, if God is for us, who can be against us? The second question is, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? The third question, who then is the one who condemns? And question four, who shall separate us from the love of of Christ right so we got these four questions we're looking at the first if God is for us who can be against us well there are three major factors in life okay we all go through things that are against us you know you hear people say oh I feel like the world is against me I feel like everyone is against me no one understands I feel like I just can't get ahead so much is against me well there's three major factors as followers of Christ that we face as being against us and that number one is the world the world it's against us. The world, and when I say the world, I'm not talking about the systems of the world. I'm talking about the world that doesn't honor God, the world that doesn't follow God, the world that wants us to turn our back on God and not serve him. The world, the world hates us. As Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse 14, he said, I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. So we see that the world is against us. The world is not for us. The world fights against us. It pushes us from serving God. Anything that the world offers, because we know who is the prince of the world? The devil, right? So we know that the world, his system and his things has no desire for us to serve God. So the world is against us. Okay, and, and Paul is asking the question, if God is for us, who can be against us? Now, it doesn't mean that when we say who can be against us, I've heard people say this, that, oh, if God is for me, nothing can be against me. Well, there are many things that are against us. It's just that those things that are against us cannot prosper if we're trusting and living in God and we are true and we are depending and have faith in him. Those things can, they can push us, they can resist us, they can, they can try to bring us down and sometimes they will knock us down. Sometimes we will fall in life. Sometimes we will fall to the pressures of the world. But we'll get to the better news about that 
the world is against us. The second is the flesh. <laughs> None of us can escape the flesh, can we? We live in this stuff here. This stuff gets tired. This gets cold. Some of this stuff doesn't like the white stuff out there. <laughs> this stuff hurts when you slip on the ice and fall. It gets hungry. It's ornery. The flesh is enmity. It's enemy to God. The flesh has no desire to please God. It wants to do the exact opposite of what God wants us to do in the spirit. The flesh is against us. The word in Galatians that Paul wrote in Galatia, he said, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. And the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. So we see this battle going on, right? Paul talks about that in his epistles. He's talking about the battle going on. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. How many times is this? When Paul wrote, he says, the things that I should do, I don't do. And the things that I don't do, I, I do. So how many times have we seen the conflict of the mind and the spirit or the flesh and the spirit in our own lives? That when the spirit, the flesh is weak, the spirit is willing, but we know good and well that the flesh sometimes takes over and sometimes when we're not in the right place, in the right frame of mind, sometimes the flesh wins. Well, I'm not the only one, am I? Sometimes the flesh wins, but that doesn't mean that's the end of the story. I got good news about that too. <laughs> then we look at the third factor that's against us. Satan, <laughs> the devil. You hear people talk much about the devil in church, right? Yeah, the devil. He goes to church, right? Yeah. Satan. What does what uh, Peter say about Satan? He says, or the devil, he says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Wow, if that's not against us, what is? That the enemy desires, and, 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 and also, I believe it's in Luke, he says that Jesus told Peter, said, listen, the devil desires to sift you as wheat. He desires to bring us down. So we have that battle, we have that fight that is against us, the world, the flesh, and Satan. And guess what's unique about all of those things? They work together. They work together. They feed off of each other. So we have this against us. But the scripture also says, if God is for us, forget that part. If God is for us, that's the better part of it. All right? We can, we can focus on the, the against and we can focus on the dark or we can focus on the bad, but let's focus on the God who is for us. Let's look at the God who is on our side. Let's look at the God who is bigger than our problems. Instead of magnifying what's against us, magnifying means to make big, let's glorify the God who's with us, the God that's for us. Glorify, let's bring him higher. Let's, let's bring out the glory, the goodness of God. Instead of 
uh, um, being hung up on my issues and hung up on my problems and hung up on what's against, I know that these things are going to be against because when Jesus prayed for us in John chapter 17, he said, I pray for them that, that you wouldn't take them out of the world, but that you would keep them from the evil one. And who is the evil one? Satan. So Jesus knows, so, but we have God on our side. So let's, let's celebrate the God that is for us. Instead of me looking at what's against me, I'm pushing so hard, let me look at the help that I have that's for me. So how is God for us? How is God on our side? What does God do that's for us? Okay, I'll, I'll tell you. Verse 32 says, he graciously gives us what? All things. If he gave his, if he did not spare his own son, would he not graciously give us all things? If he gave us Jesus, which, which says, you know, Romans 8, 32 say, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? So the number one thing that God is for us is that he gave us Jesus Christ. He gave us his precious son. He gave us the king of kings. He gave us the Messiah. He gave us the Lord of lords. He gave us the one who laid down his life so that we could be saved. He gave his life. God gave everything he had. He gave the best gift he possessed. And that was Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He gave Jesus Christ. So that's one of the many things that God demonstrates that he's for us, okay? Now, I think Jesus himself knocks out all three of the against us, right? We wouldn't even really have to go any further. We could just stop right there at Jesus Christ. But let's brag on God a little bit, okay? Let's brag on how good God is. Let's brag on how precious and how mighty and how much he does for his people. He gave Jesus. And what did Jesus turn around and do? See, this is the gift that just keeps on giving. <laughs> Hallelujah. The gift that just keeps on giving. Well, he gave Jesus and this Jesus, when Jesus died and ascended on high, he sent us what? The Holy Spirit. Yes. And the Holy Spirit is, uh, as, as we learned from Pastor Mark last week, the Holy Spirit guides us. He teaches us. He brings things back to our remembrance. Hallelujah. He gives us gifts. Look at what um, uh, Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. He says, what we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. He's given us the spirit. What does the spirit give? The sp in the spirit, we have the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. These are ours. These are for us. These work for us. As the world and flesh and Satan are working against us, we got Jesus. We got the Holy Spirit. We got the fruit of the Spirit working for us. Hallelujah. That ought to make us rejoice and be glad that we are not losers. We are victorious in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ. Not in myself, 
not in my education, not in my smarts, not in my intellect, not in my background, but I'm victorious in Jesus Christ. He already fought the battle, so the victory is ours. We don't have to do what he already did. All we need to do is accept what he has offered us. God shows that he's for us. So one, giving his son. Two, giving us the Holy Spirit, which has gifts, which leads us, guides us, teaches us, brings things back to our members, comforts us, right? Praise through us. Doesn't do things of his own, but only what he's heard the Father. All right, let's continue to brag on God. How else is God for us? It says Romans 5 and 8. God demonstrates his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, still sinners, Christ died for us. What does he demonstrate? What does he show? His love. Is love a gift? Love is a gift. God is love and love is God, right? Perfect love casts out fear. Love hides a multitude of sin. God's love is unconditional. It's agape love. His love is not based on how good you are or how good I am or how good, you know, the world is, or how good, whatever it is. His love is based on just genuine love. He loves us in spite of ourselves. Regardless how many times I fall down, I make mistakes. I'm flaw- I am not flawless. I'm flawed. I'm flawed. I'm constantly, I'm that lump of clay that's constantly on the wheel. That God is making something that even when I do have a flaw, if I have a mire, at least I am mired in his hands where he can fix me. His love. His love looks beyond my faults. See my needs. His love picks me up. If it's 25, if it's 26 times, his love will always be there. His love never fails. This is an important message to the churches in Rome because these are churches of Gentiles and Jews. And understanding when, when, when you have been used to the law beating you down and the law condemning you and the law telling you you're no good and the law telling you you got to keep this, you got to keep that. It was a breath of fresh air to realize that grace and mercy is wonderful. <laughs> that it doesn't come with condemnation. This is a different message that the Jews were used to listening to. It's a different message. But it's a great message to know that God is on my side. Now, it doesn't make me, it doesn't uh, um, give me the, the right to abuse God or to abuse his grace and his mercy. Paul asked the question. He opens it up in verse 31. What shall we say then? He, Paul says that about six times in his writing here in, in the Romans. What shall we say then? He's asking a question. And here he opens up, what shall we say then to these things? These things makes me think that Paul is talking about the things that are coming, not the things that were before. Because if he had, he would say, what shall we say to those things? But he says, so what shall we say to these things? He asked the first question, if God is for us, who can be against us? And we're finding out there can be a lot against us. But though the weapon is formed, it won't prosper. Right? Though the lie is told, it will not take wings and live. 
God's with me. He'll never leave me. He won't forsake me. What else is God giving? Still bragging on God. He gives us eternal life, salvation. 1 John 2.25, and this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. (laughs) This is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. We have eternal life, not earthly eternal life. We have eternal life with God in heaven. We have eternal life that when we pass through this place, that we have an eternity that God has promised, eternal life, salvation, he, he saves us. He delivers us. What does God save us from? I, I often hear people say, I'm saved. And they realize they, what, they didn't know what they were saved from. When growing up, I used to think I was saved from troubles. I was saved from heartache. I was saved from um, sadness. I was saved from struggling time. That's not even what it means. Because being a follower of Christ, you're going to experience all of those things. But what I'm saved from is eternal damnation. That's what we're saved from. (laughs) Not heartaches, not trials and tribulations. We're saved from eternal damnation, eternal separation from God, spiritual death. So he gives us eternal life. He gives us salvation. That's for us. That works for us, not against us. I can go on and go on and brag about God because there's so many other things that he gives. But you know what? Look in your Bible and you'll find a whole bunch of them. All right? Look in your Bible. But he is good. God is gracious. God is merciful. Let me move to the second question. So the second question we look at says, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Verse 33. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Now, again, people think that that doesn't, uh, that, that means there should be no charge against me. There shouldn't be anything. It's, Paul's not saying that. He's saying, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? There will be many charges, many things that will come against us. Amen. There'll be things that will, but it's God who chose us. We have to understand that um, chosen, being chosen by God means that you know, people get into the predestination and all that. And I don't want to get into those weeds. But listen, God chose us, meaning we are his people. We are the ones that he saved. If you confess with your mouth and the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you have been saved. You have been chosen to receive the gift that God has offered, which is salvation. So any charge that is brought against us and the world will bring many charges against us, won't they? The world will call us crazy, won't they? (laughs) The world will call us, there's those Bible bumping, believing, you know, they'll call us all kinds of things. They will charge us with many things, but we don't fret by that because Jesus saved us. God chose us. And when you're chosen, you, you feel special. You feel peculiar. You feel blessed. You should feel royal. You are chosen by God. Pre, you, when you're chosen by God, that means you have accepted him into your heart. Remember the, the marriage, the banquet? 
said many, uh, there were many that were invited, but some had excuses. Hey, so many were called to it, but they had excuses. God knows if we're going to choose him to serve him. That if we all in here today, this morning, have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord, as our Savior, we have accepted him in our hearts sincerely, you have been chosen. You ought to say amen on that. Tell God, thank you for choosing me. Yeah, so many of us growing up in school, we were the last one to get chosen. Everyone is getting chosen. Listen, I don't care. I can be the last one. Just choose me, Lord. I'll just, just choose. I'll sit the heavenly bench. Just choose me. And I'll cheer loud and clear to all the stars that are out there. Go, Paul. Go, Peter. All right? But I'm chosen. I'm on the team. I'm saved. I'm a believer. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit lives in me. Jesus died for me, and I have accepted that, and now I live in his power and his authority. Yeah, though I have troubles and trials and tribulations, that's all right, because I got a big God on my side who's working for me and not against me. Who shall bring anything to our charge? It's God who justifies. Hmm. The law brought charges. But the law led to number three, who then is the one who condemns. Verse 34. Paul wrote, as you studied last week, chapter 8, verse 1, early on in this, in this writing, there is therefore now no condemnation. So who is that condemned? Who condemns? Well, we know who the condemner is, don't we? We know who the condemner is. Satan. He comes to condemn. The Holy Spirit doesn't come to condemn. The Holy Spirit comes to convict. So who is it that condemns? The world condemns. The flesh condemns. Satan condemns. Paul said there is therefore now no condemnation. You are not a condemned people. You are a convicted people. You are a converted people. You are a blessed people. The law had power. Sin had power through the law. They said there was, no, there was no sin when there was no law. But when the law came, that's when sin came. But who's done away with the law? Who fulfilled the law? Jesus. So does the law have power and authority over us now? Come on. Say it loud. I'm saved and I'm proud. <laughs> the law has no more power and authority over us. Jesus has fulfilled it and Jesus has taken over. Now we live in grace and mercy. When the law condemned us, grace and mercy saved us. When the law condemned us, the Holy Spirit convicted us. When the law said you deserve to die, you deserve hell, grace and mercy, Jesus said, come to me, trust in me, believe in me, cast your cares on me. I love you. I give my life for you. 
God showed his love. God so loved the world that he gave his only, his only begotten son. Some of us wouldn't give our only dollar. Some would. But he gave his only begotten son. He's for us. Last question. Who shall separate us? From the love of Christ. It's covered through 35 through 39. I just want to read that because it's so powerful. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And that's the question. Who shall? He, now he names a whole lot of powerful things. He names a whole lot of things. Trouble, hardship, persecution. Well, we, do we all deal with these things? Hmm? Do we all have these things? Okay, all of these trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword. And then Paul says, but as it is written, for your sake we, are de- we face death all day long. We face trouble. We face dying to this life all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. He takes this from Psalms 44, 22. That Paul quote that, that we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered, meaning passively or, 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 or meekly, I should say, not passive, but meekly, we go through the persecution. We go through the trials. We don't fuss. We don't kick at, at God. We don't shake our finger at God, say, God, well, I mean, some of us do, but we shouldn't say, God, why am I going through this? Why am I being persecuted? Why am I suffering famine? Why am I suffering nakedness? Why am I suffering sword? Why am I going through all these things? But as God's people, we realize that we face this all day long and we are counted as sheep for the slaughter so we go in obedience we trust God we believe in God we have faith that God is still with us that he hasn't left us just because I'm in a dark time in my life does not mean that the light has gone out that just means I'm going through a a a a phase in life but Jesus is still with me you see you got to believe it, even though you can't see it, you got to know in your heart because no one can take this away from you. You might lose your sight. You might lose your hearing, but you got to have that belief and trust that God is with you. No matter what the storms. And storms are serious. They're serious. We go through storms in our relationships, in our health, our finances. We go through these things because it's a part of life. It's a part of as, as being people. Listen, whether you were an unbeliever or, or a believer, you're going to go through something. I'd rather go through as a believer because I have somebody that's with me than to go through a, as an unbeliever where I don't have help with me. Paul says, what just operate us? What should separate us? What should take us? What should cause God to disown us? What should cause God to say, ah, I don't want you anymore. You've done it now. This is it. No more for you. I was patient with you, but you just won't listen. What will cause God to just walk away from us? When we have distance between us and God, it's not because God has moved. It's because you have moved. Try getting a spot and looking at that spot and walking to it, keeping your eyes on it, and then take your eyes off of the spot and see where you go. 
Guarantee you, you probably will not walk toward that spot. You'll find yourself sort of to the left or to the right. But if you, we keep our eyes on Jesus, if we keep our eyes on God, we keep our eyes on the mark, we'll get there. We'll get there. Through persecution, through sword, through hardship, through trouble, we'll get there. Because we have God for us. We have God for us. All right. You with me? Good, good. It helps me out a lot. <laughs> Watch this up. So he's going on. He said, knowing all these things, we are more than, this is the answer. This is the answer, folks. This is the answer. He asked all these questions. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who shall bring any charge against us? Who is it that condemns? What shall separate us from the love of God? And then he names them all. And then Paul goes, no. And all these things, the these things that he's talking about, what shall we say to these things? Now he's saying, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Hallelujah. We are more. We're not just conquerors. We're more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. So no matter what it is that I go through, if I trust in the living God, if I have faith in the living God, if I hold on, even though I'm going to face trouble, I'm going to conquer. I'm going to be more than a conqueror because he loves us. He loves me. He loves you. And love overcomes. Love gives us the victory. He says, neither death. What, what, what does he say here? For I am convinced. See, Paul's convinced. Paul's not just passively talking about something. He's convinced. This is all down in Paul's soul. This is all down in his heart. He says, I'm convinced. And another reason Paul is convinced because Paul went through some things. When you go through some things, you get easily convinced sometimes, right? Paul says, I am convinced that neither death nor life so that means the end or the beginning, neither angels nor demons, the good or the bad, neither the present nor the future, things that are here, things that are come, things that are gone, nor any powers, no matter who you are, neither height nor depth, nor how you can go, or how deep you can go, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He is stuck with us. Hallelujah. Nothing can pluck us out of God's hands. We are his forever, eternity, eternal life. We are his. Nothing can separate us. So your trials, your tribulations, your dark times, the things that you fall to, the things that you struggle with, the things that you can't get over, your habits that are hard to break, your arguments that you have, your mistakes that you make can't separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. It's hidden, it's paid for, it's our benefit through Christ Jesus. God sent Jesus, the conduit, to live, to love, to, to um, live, to, to die, and to rise again so that we can experience this eternity of his love, of his grace, of his mercy. What a great God. What a wonderful God he is. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, our King. What a glorious name it is. Hallelujah. What a blessed name it is. We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. So 
Maybe you've been a loser all your life, but guess what? You are a winner. You are a winner. Hallelujah. You are a winner. Oh, that feels good to finally have, be on the W side and not the L side. I'm a winner because I'm more than a conqueror. Hallelujah. Come what may, it might knock me down. I might lose some battles. I might get bruised and scarred and bloodied up and things like that, but I'm coming back because if I keep at it, God said I'm more than a conqueror. If I don't give up, I only fail when I quit. I might lose some battles, but I'll win the war because I'm more than a conqueror. I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. Hallelujah. I've overcome. We, oh, we are overcoming. We are overcomers, aren't we? We are overcomers. And in order to overcome, you got to come over. You got to come over to this side and give your heart to Jesus Christ. Live for the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. He offers us so much. He offers us his son. He offers us the Holy Spirit. He offers us salvation, the gifts, eternal life, and love everlasting, unconditionally. Will you give your heart to Jesus if you don't know him today? You, too, can be an overcomer, more than an overcomer. You, too can experience God being for you and not against you. So if you're here today as we pray, Romans is the book that shows us the gospel. Romans 10 tells us that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we shall be saved, right? We shall be saved. So as we pray this morning, you're not a, a believer, you're not a follower of Jesus Christ. I want to pray that you will receive him today and receive his benefits. I believe that, uh, that David said, that David or Solomon, one of them said that he daily loads us with what? Benefits. Benefits. All his benefits are for us. So as we pray, you can pray out loud or you can pray in your heart. Pray it to God. Whisper it to God. We're going to pray and it's ask you to repeat these words after me. Dear Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. Forgive me for all my sins. Jesus Christ is the son of God. He died for my sins. He rose from my life today by grace, through faith. I am saved. I am more than a conqueror. In Jesus' name, amen.